Giving Credit is a podcast giving those making a difference their credit. On a weekly basis, we'll be interviewing parents, tech CEOs, financial experts, kid entrepreneurs, and others to learn about credit, education, financial literacy, and building wealth equity. Thanks for joining us. I'm so thrilled today on this episode of Giving Credit to have as my guest, Al Jones. Al, thank you for joining me today. It's truly a pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. So one of the things that really attracted me to you and your story is your story. Hearing about your financial journey, and I I know that you have a lot of uh, thoughts and opinions and experience around uh, military members and finances as well. So I do want to dig into some of that. But before we get into all that, what is your credit and finance story? What did you grow up understanding about money? And then how did that evolve over time? Well, I'm a personal finance author and game publisher and a service disabled veteran. I'm a current resident and native of Phoenix, Arizona. And after years of making poor financial decisions and thinking it was the norm, I decided to take action, make a change in my life, and document the process along the way. So I'm here now with a perfect 850 FICO score and ready to share my story with you and your viewers. Awesome. But yeah, growing up as a retired, as a retired government employee, but as a veteran, I was exposed to periods of loneliness and sadness, especially when the first time I received my first active duty assignment in Korea. I was a mama's boy, as they call it, and it was at home a lot. So this is the first time actually being away from home for an extended period of time. So being away from home, alone, foreign country, and trying to get a feel of the surroundings and trying to gain an identity for yourself, that kind of weighs down on things it did for me. Mm-hmm. But those periods of loneliness, I find myself going to, I found myself going to the club that didn't drink, it didn't smoke, but I had a, a gambling issue. Ah. And there wasn't much activity in the immediate area. If you wanted to go to the bars and drink, there was all kind of activity like that. So what I did is I stayed in the local clubs, whether on post, have a Coke, kind of do a lot of people watching, and they had the slot machines. Mm. So oftentimes what I would do is I would take money from my paycheck, a couple of hundred bucks at the time, and then just dump it into the slot machines. And the crazy thing was, by design, I'm sure, that I didn't win much. Mm -hmm. But after they would close down the clubs, I would wait outside, just kind of checking out the environment. And then the, the employees that were actually in the club, suddenly the bells and whistles would start going off on the slot machines. So it's like it was rigged to where it would take all the GI's money and the people that were the workers and the waitresses and wait staff, they would get all the money from the service members. Wow. And even that, even that, Still didn't deter me. Think, oh, maybe it was. Maybe I'm just seeing things. Maybe it's just all in my head. And still went back. And after a while, that stuff starts catching up with you, and you know, kind of go into a, a cycle. 
So fortunately, I was able to get myself out of that and some other bad decisions I made, but we'll get to that a little later. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that is the common thing when you're someplace where there's not a lot to do. It's very easy to get yourself in trouble. I grew up in Kansas. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, arguably there's more to do now than there was back then, but there was not a lot of excitement. Yeah. And that is when young people, kids, people away from home for the first time, you get into trouble because you're trying to figure out your way, but there's not things really for you to explore. So you have to use Correct. what's in hand. So that, so that was, you didn't drink, you didn't smoke. So that was that slot machine. <laughs> it was a slot machine, a couple of slot machines that are just, were just calling me. Wow. So, um, and there was, had the TV, you know, that was there in the, the common area in the officer's quarters, the TV wasn't in the mood to you know, play poker every night, mm. cards every night. I think, okay, I've got to do something. But it was a real small post off in the middle of nowhere and didn't want to go too far off post and get myself into some real trouble. So mm. just try to stay close for that one and kind yeah. of went downhill for a while at yeah. that point. Yeah. So then keep on telling us what was what's next. So, and actually in going back, that's this whole behavior really started, I kind of link it to early in my childhood and growing up, my mother and father, they divorced real early in my childhood. Dad went his way, mom, uh, my sister and brother, you know, the four of us were together and things were really challenging at the time financially. So what was happening was my mother was not financially savvy. That's the whole reality of the thing. And I think she was very sad about the whole divorce issue, raising three kids, you know, on her yeah. own, per se, two boys, you know, and a girl and whatnot, trying to find someone to date her with three kids is a, <laughs> is a bit much. So I believe that she did a lot of her spending on stuff to try to make herself happy, dresses, hats, shoes, purses, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. So as a little kid, I was at home a lot. The rest of the family were out doing their things and someone had to maintain the house. Mm. So yours surely had to actually maintain the, the house. So while she was out doing her thing, working multiple jobs, trying to make whatever ends she had to meet, someone had to field the calls. And the calls were coming in were from the bill collectors for all the debt that she mm. was accumulating or just reckless spending. So family was out, calls would come in, and we're talking uh, maybe junior high, maybe uh, sixth grade-ish mm. around that, that age. Wow. Calls were coming seven o'clock. And back then, the bill collectors, they did not care. They didn't, they didn't care. There was no barrier, what they would say, to get the money yes. from people. Hey, they're, they're collecting. So it wasn't as politically correct as I'm Sure they are now. Back then it was, you better tell your mom she's got she needs to pay us right now, you know, blah, 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 just screaming in your ear. And as a little kid, of course, it would make me you know, cry and get a little missy. I tried not mm-hmm. to make it so obvious that I was crying and talking to these bill, these adults screaming at me, saying, Hey, you need to tell your mom that she needs to pay X amount of dollars at this time. Back then, before voice messaging, text messaging, early 80s, late 90s, or early early 80s, late 70s era, uh, what we did is we had this little notepad where you write a message, date, subject line, and who called, 
And then what I would do is I would take all these notes for my mother. I would take messages for my mom. So later on that night when she would come in, I would say, Mom, Mr. Smith from company XYZ called. He says you owe X amount. Yeah, so she would sometimes she would look at it, sometimes she would discount it. Yeah, 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 I'll call it back later. Okay. So after doing that repeatedly and being home on my own quite a bit, I got pretty good at talking to adults. Mm-hmm. I'm a little kid, so Mrs. Smith and all the others would call, who is this? This is this is Al Jones, uh, Mr. Smith. Did you talk to your mom? Yes, sir. And then I started negotiating settlement deals. Oh for my, my mother, for my mom. It's like, yes, Mr. Smith. And I got really good at it. So, uh, for example, yes, Mr. Smith, I talked to my mom last night at, at this time. I told her that you owe, she owed you know, $500. And she said that she can only pay you $300, you know, for example. Mm. Is that okay? Will you, will you settle for $300? Pause. Okay. Yeah, we'll take $300. Okay, Mr. Smith, I you know I really appreciate. It. I will tell my mom that she you know she needs to pay three hundred dollars on this date and mail it by this date. Mm. Are you sure? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I I will make sure it's done. Okay, click, and then you just start doing that with all the bill collectors. You're telling your mom, mom, you committed to doing this, this, and this. You need to pay this, 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 this at this time. Okay, deal. Okay. And you start negotiating. Wow. So after doing that and getting really good with that and getting the 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 adult voice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and talking with adults as a little kid, you started honing that and how to speak to people, the cadence of talking with bill collectors, when to listen, when to interject, when to keep quiet, getting all that in place. So after all that and leaving home and seeing how that transpired. I thought that was the norm. Like, okay, you know, just like the TV show, Good Time, every, you know, the black folks are just supposed to struggle, you know, live in hardship all the time. And I thought that was the norm. Wow. Okay? So then once I grew up, left home, I started doing the same thing. Reckless spending, multiple divorces, uh, identity theft, and just started catching up with me. So what I decided to do was to start documenting the process got to a point to where it's like, you know what? This is crazy. Go to college. And back then, what they would do is they would have these banquet tables when you're signing up for the different registering yep. for the classes that you want. They would have these banquet tables and the banks were there. Citibank, Discover Card, all the others were have their little tables, have t-shirts and all kind of other merchandise mm. around it. You know, if you sign up for this credit card, you get a free T-shirt. You know, a young college kid. Hey, free clothes. You know, you yeah. sign up for the credit pizza, card. And, yeah, pizza, pizza. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> the pizza. Oh, yeah, man. You sign up for the credit cards. And, wow, okay. $500 credit limit. Holy smokes. <laughs> you know, you finally get the card. Hey, pizza's on me, buddy. You know, you start treating all your friends and whatnot. Then you realize, oh, ooh, oh, I got to pay this back. Yeah, it's not free money. Imagine that. Imagine that. So again, fat, doing all that kind of crazy, reckless spending caught up with me. So finally, one day I said, Al, this is insane. This is insane. So I decided to stop, look myself in the mirror and said, Al, this is crazy. You can't keep living like this. You've got to make a change. So what I decided to do 
was start reading books. And I looked at some, read some books, books, uh, watched, actually listened to some CDs. And what I discovered was in many cases, the books that were out there, most of them were filled with fluff. So you get a three, four hundred page book that has all kind of crazy content in there. And after the first chapter, in many cases, you're saying, oh, well, maybe, you know, maybe this isn't for me. You know, I'm not going to read 400 pages to try to figure out how to improve my life. No. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the CD packets. You buy a CD, you see somebody on TV. Well, if you purchase this five CD set, you listen to it, after the fifth CD, suddenly your life will drastically change. Well, that didn't happen. Typically, after the first CD, it's like, okay, this is trash. Unfortunately, you've already paid for the book. You've already paid for the CD. That's all the person cared about anyway. They didn't really have a lot of good info. So after doing that and realizing that, okay, there's not much content in there, the only thing that was valuable collectively was about a chapter in length of content. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, if I'm going to document this process, me as a reader, I would want something very clear and concise. Yeah. So the book that I've got out now, it was paperback, but I converted it into audio book only. So you can listen to it and whatnot. Uh, it's about a chapter in length. So it's got some narrative information in there that I'm sure that will help somebody out. So just, over time, 15 plus years, multiple divorces, identity theft, you know, mm. crazy stuff that's going on. I was able to get an 850 FICO score and happy guy. Well, congratulations. Thank you. But you, when you're telling your story, I didn't know which way it was going to go when you were talking about fielding those calls from those creditors. Yeah. I didn't know if you were yeah. going to say this is, you know, there. I mean, I'm sure there has to be some trauma around that, too. There was some serious trauma because mom, my mother was a very religious. She died in 2000. So she was a very religious woman and very strict father and ex-Marine. So people screaming at me, you know, oh, wow. scream, scream, scream. That was normal. So you got some adults, some other new adults just screaming at you and, you know, saying all kind of stuff to you. It's like, okay, you just start building a real hard shell, Mm. you know, around tough skin around you. So it's just a matter of just trying to find the speaking cadence of the person that you're listening to, trying to pull information out from them, trying to say what you think they want to hear, Mm -hmm. you know, to A, get them off the phone. That's a big thing. (laughs) Get them off the phone and try to help out the person that you're helping out acting as a, a middle person mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and learn, but also learning those skills, but yeah. then recognizing, wait a minute, this isn't really, this is what I saw modeled. So I think this is normal, Yeah. but this actually isn't the way it needs to be. Correct. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> Starting to, so. to figure out how to get that. So, so if you don't, I don't know if you know this or if you want to share this, what was kind of the lowest point of your credit? And how did it affect you to not have the excellent credit that you have now that we all aspire to? So back, it was like 600 or so. You would go to various places 
And I didn't know, initially didn't know much about credit. I knew that I would go in and try to get stuff uh, and they generated my credit. And you get people, the sales reps, stuff, they'll look at you like, yeah, sure. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen today, buddy, kind of thing when you're trying to apply for stuff and they just kind of look down on you. And that just, that wears you down over time. But what had recently happened once I got the 850 and there were more options. That's the big thing. Having options of, yes, I would like to get this, but I don't need it now. So mm -hmm. recently what I did was I was going to a local mall and I needed to get my iPhone repaired. Went to the iPhones, the Apple iPhone store, had left it there for repair and was just kind of walking around the mall. And as I was looking around the mall, doing some window shopping, I looked and I said, you know, Al, if I wanted to buy something, I could buy it like that. But I don't want it. I don't, I don't really need it. But it was just having that option of if I wanted to buy something, I could get it with no problem. So that's the big difference I've learned over the years and all this is having the options. And to me, life is about options. Yeah. So, so it's not just financial freedom. It's also emotional freedom. Because yes, as you mentioned, a lot of times we buy stuff to make ourselves feel better, but then we end right. up more in debt and then we have yep. to deal with that. And then it just makes it worse and worse and worse. But now you're in a space where you're like, yeah, I could do that if I want. Yeah, I don't, if I, yeah, I don't got to. I, I, don't yeah, have to. I don't have to. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. And, and that's yeah. a happy feeling. That's Amazing. Happy feeling. So that must be so freeing. It, it really is. And oddly enough, after getting the 850, I realized I really don't need a bunch and I'm downsizing, <laughs> you know, with the stuff I've got now. It's like when I had the lower credit, I'm thinking, oh, as you mentioned, well, if I get this, that'll make me happy. If I get that, that'll make me happy. Now that I've got the 850 and living, living the dream, like, OK, well, I really didn't need this. I really mm. didn't need that. And kind of downsizing. Wow. Um, and I've got a, two, I'm in a two, in a two bedroom, uh, condo and high rise condo here in Phoenix. And I'm thinking, do I really need two bedrooms? <laughs> I, back when I was having financial problems, I was in a studio at one time in a one bedroom apartment. And I'm thinking, wow, man, if I had two bedrooms, it would be great. Now I'm thinking maybe I can go back to a one and, and be happy. Yeah. You no. Know? So, yeah, it's about options for sure. It's about options for sure. Yeah. And so another thing I was thinking as you were talking is we d we don't have a lot of financial education. I mean, I think it's getting better in schools. Right? But when, when we go to college or wherever you go that they have all those crazy offers and you just, you're like, yeah, this is all new. I want all of them. Yep. But uh, I think also with sports and with other areas, they're also like, oh, we need to put more financial education for our athletes. Also, I'm imagining for the military, was there any financial literacy education offered? None. Yeah. There was none. And even in the school system with the requirements of teaching kids various things, financial education, financial literacy is not high priority. I think it should be in a higher priority. But then people push it back and say, hey, the parents should teach their kids some basic, how to write a check, how to balance a checkbook, that kind of stuff. But 
I don't foresee it being raised in a higher priority, unfortunately, anytime soon. That's just the pessimistic element of mm. my more optimistic behavior in general. So, uh, yeah, that would be great if they had some sort of financial literacy. I'm open to teaching financial literacy uh, classes, financial literacy literature, creating that for uh, the younger generation. Mm -hmm. I'm all open for that and I'm readily available. So it's just a matter of people saying, hey, Al, I want to include you. But it's more financially beneficial, unfortunately, mm. for lending institutions to have people with bad credit. Because if you have people with bad credit, they're going to pay a higher interest rate. So ideally, yeah, we should, everyone should have great credit. Well, if you, everyone had great credit, then the interest rates are going to be low and the lending institutions are not going to make any money. So there's no major push by lending institutions to have people get improved credit because they'd lose their money. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we're starting to see some different financial models with like Greenwood Bank and a new platform called Ready Life that is trying to provide more access to people, particularly people of color, to okay. have access to banking. And then Ready Life, they have a model where if you use their debit card for six months, your credit score doesn't matter. You will be eligible for a mortgage through one of their Black-owned banks. Really? Their network. And that's in Kansas area? No, this is uh, national. Okay. So it's, I'm it's, not familiar with it, that. Ju it just launched. Um like two weeks ago, like officially. Wow. So okay. it's very new. But that these are things that, why did it take us so long to come to this innovation, right? Like, I'm still trying to figure that out. And I've <laughs> been trying, I've been trying, I've been trying to reach out to the community in general. If they're looking for you know, Black and African-American, a person of color as a poster boy of someone that, hey, someone had, can manage your, your personal finance, someone that has great credit, I'm more than open to doing so, but just a slow response. Mm -hmm. It's easier to promote, well, you know, Black folk, people of color, they don't know how to manage their money, and they just, mm -hmm. well, that's just how it is. But, hey, you have somebody that breaks the uh, the norm, then you know, that's, that, that doesn't work well. With so you just got to deal with that. So that that's, a whole, that's a real part. That yeah. I'm dealing with as well. So. Mm. Now, um, what are some of, I don't want you to share your whole book because obviously I'll put that in the show notes so people can know how to find you, learn more. But what are some of the skills and things that help people manage that financial anxiety that we feel when we get a call from a creditor, we get an email, we get a bill, we get a reminder that our credit card is due? What are some of the tactics that you read about that you then started incorporating into your own practice? Once I realized that I was not alone in the process, yeah. initially I was thinking, well, gee, I'm the only one in the world that's dealing with that. But you start talking with people, you realize that, okay, you're not alone in this. And the other thing that really helped out is you have to talk and address it head on mm -hmm. with the collection agency. Ignoring them, not returning the call, not returning email, that is probably one of the worst things addition to not paying, <laughs> one of the worst things that you could actually do. So get a bill collector, calling 
they're going to start screaming, you know, may start screaming in your ear. Let them know, I understand, and I'm really willing to work with you. This is the budget that I have. I'm willing to make sacrifices to, to pay this debt back to you. So mm -hmm. if they see that you have a plan, you're willing to commit, you're willing to make sacrifices to pay back the money that wasn't yours in the first place, then they're more willing to work with you. And yes, you were going to have to make sacrifices. You may not be able to get the triple latte coffee you know, that you once you know, normally got. <laughs> Just make a bunch of sacrifices and pay them back. And again, talk with the, the lenders and tell them that you're definitely willing to work with them. And that will get you a long way hmm. in the process. Nice. And are there other areas that you, like when you started, did you have, for instance, credit card debt and you took, I know there are different models. So some people start with like the lowest credit card, pay it off completely, or they start with the highest interest. Okay. Did you have some different strategies for paying so what off? I, from what I had read over the, over the years, I started doing, picking the, the ones with the higher interest rates first started paying those back, worked multiple jobs. I didn't file for bankruptcy, you know, did the multiple jobs. Wow. Really, really downsized. Uh, slept on the floor, studio apartment. I mean, it was, it was crazy. So really downsized, made a bunch of sacrifices, multiple jobs. Uh, um, paid down the high interest rates first. And the other thing that really came in handy was settlement letters. Hmm. So settlement letters, that is and pretty much what I was doing with my for my mother growing up is let's say lending institution calls and says all right you owe a thousand dollars oh i know i took your money but uh right now as life has it i only have seven hundred dollars will hmm. you take seven hundred dollars back because what has happened is by the time it's got to the collection agency they have purchased the paper uh -huh. so the original uh, loan was, let's say, $1,000, then what the collection, it, the company has, already, the original company has already written that off for the most part. So they'll contact a collection agency and says, hey, can you get us back $800 of that? And we'll cut you off, you know, a nice little piece of that 800 bucks. So mm -hmm. then what the collection agencies will do, they will shoot for you know, that 800, but oftentimes they'll even go for the thousand, even though they bought it for 800, yeah. they want to make a little more money on the back end. So they'll come to you and say, hey, you, you owe a thousand, but really, you know, if you would have paid them 800, then it would have been clear. So what I did, it, I would, when I'm talking to people, I said, all right, I'll pay you. I can pay you 700. Can you accept 700? Wait. <laughs> and then they'll say, okay, all right. Uh, we'll take 700, you know, for example. And they may even have bought the debt for 300, wow. even cheaper. Okay. And anything over that 300 is gravy for them. So you've got some kind of wiggle, wiggle room and you don't know that until later on. So you say 700, okay, they'll accept 700. Then after the verbal agreement is set, then you would say something like, all right, we've agreed to let's say seven hundred from the original thousand. Um, if you will, you all if I pay all this seven hundred back, will you clear 
all of the bad credit entries from each of my three separate credit reports, yeah. Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion. Make sure it's all clear. If they agree, yeah, we'll do that. All right. Send me a, a letter. Um, yeah, send, have them to send, you can either send them a letter agreeing that and they reply back to you agreeing to that, have it reduce it to writing. Okay, so once that's in place, then, okay, I will pay $700 on this date. I will write you a check or do a wire transfer of this amount. And then you'll have that as tangible proof. So that's once cool. that is done, a little mini contract, if you will. So once that's done, then couple of days later or so, maybe a week or so later, then your credit report will not reflect the past due amounts. Yeah. So after you're doing that, you see that it's gone, you create a new report, you order a new credit report and score from each of the three, and you'll just start seeing your score moving up. So that's how I was able to get a big bump in a lot of my delinquent debt wow. for doing settlement letters with the different lending institutions. That's I don't know if they're doing that as much now, but back then, um, early 90s or so, um, ish, well, not even then. Mm -hmm. That was back in the, about two, the early 2000s. Mm -hmm. Early 2000s, that's when it seems that I was really pushing for the settlement letters. Yeah. That's some great advice. And we're definitely going to push people to listen to, listen to your book so they can get the rest of your I advice. But my last couple of questions are, if you had $100,000 today, tax-free, what would you do with that money? $100,000 $100, tax-free, I would pay down. You know, they said don't pay off your mortgage, <laughs> uh, but I would, I probably would pay it down. Oddly enough, I recently retired as a government IT computer tech repair person. I have no, the only debt I've got is my mortgage, no car note, no student loan. You know, I don't need to travel and go out and do crazy stuff. So, okay, <laughs> I, you know, what do you do with that? I, I just paid out my, you know, paid out my mortgage. You know, the, the standard says kind of pay down my mortgage and uh, put it, so I'm in the stock market. I've got some stuff that I'm invested in, but I really don't need, you know, I, I really don't need $100,000. It'd be nice to have. That's a yeah. That's I mean that's a first. Somebody saying I don't know. <laughs> I don't need. Well, yeah, yeah, I don't need a new car. You know, a new uh, wardrobe. So I just stock it away. You know, stock it away. Yeah. If there were some friends or family that come to me and say, "Al, you know, I'm really having, you know, down on my luck." Oh, okay, then maybe I might give them something, but mm. treat some friends to, to dinner or stuff like that. But. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but pay down the mortgage. Yeah. Pay down the mortgage. Hey, that's a good answer. That's, that's it. Oddly enough. <laughs> and oddly enough, no one has no one has ever came at me and uh, asked that kind of question. What would you do with a hundred thousand dollars? <laughs> you know, pay down my mortgage and that's it. That's it. What is that? What's the best way for our audience to find you on social media, connect with you and purchase your book? Uh, they can purchase my book if they go to a website called Awesound, A-W-E-S-O-U-N-D.com and search for my book titled My Journey from Bad to Excellent Credit. They should find it there. Also, on, 
social media, you see handle light, L-I-G-H-T, eyes, E-Y-E-S, media, M-E-D-I-A. You should find all kind of information about me that way. Okay, fantastic. Al, is there any last word that you want to leave with our audience today? Last couple of words I'd like to leave is you are not alone in the process. So if you're thinking that you're alone or you're the only person that's getting all these calls, you are not alone. Feel free to reach out to me for some general um, advice. Also, as a sidebar, mm -hmm. I have an advice column mm -hmm. that is broadcast every Saturday from 2 o'clock p.m. to 2.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Facebook. It's rebroadcast on uh, YouTube, Instagram. And it's called Dear Father Al. And oh. I'm an advice columnist. And what I do is I take information problems from people and their daily problems and then reply back the following week with the common sense solutions. So if by chance if you have a credit problem, for example, personal finance kind of credit problem, budgeting problem, and you want to address it to me, Father Al, I go Dear Abby. Kind of thing. <laughs> so if you want to address it to me, Father Al, on the show, Go ahead and check out on Facebook the handle Dear Father Al, D-E-A-R-F-A-T-H-E-R-A-L. So check that out and you'll find out how to contact me that way. And I will be more than willing to help you out. Awesome. Thank you so much. Loved hearing your story, your journey. Congratulations and kudos for having that perfect score that we all aspire to have. And I know I don't have that right now. <laughs> and, <laughs> Soon enough. Soon yeah, enough. soon enough, soon enough. But really appreciated you coming on and sharing your wisdom with us. So Al, thank you so much. Been a and pleasure. For our audience, thanks for coming back for another week of Giving Credit. I'm Annika Jackson, and I'll be back with another episode in two weeks. This podcast has been brought to you by Kitty Credit, a mobile app designed to educate children on the credit system by completing chores. Now available in the App Store and on Google Play. For more information, go to kittycredit.com, K-I-D-D-I-E-K-R-E-D-I-T.com. Kitty Credit, give it.